Hey everyone, Tom Morcus here, and welcome back to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today, I sit down with Greg Swanson, a physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental strength coach, as well as the author of Develop Mental Strength of a Warrior, Mental Training Skills to Develop Courage and Confidence. And in our conversation, we cover topics like how to get clarity around vision for the future so you can set optimal goals, including a simple but powerful exercise you can try today to begin developing your 2018 goals why and how to set milestones on the path to achieving your goal, and how to set yourself up to accomplish your most important goal of the year by establishing rules and taking responsibility for your daily actions and behavior. Now, before getting to the interview, I wanted to give you a quick update on In the Trenches and what you can expect in 2018. So over the past few months, I've been thinking a lot about the purpose behind the work I'm doing for clients and customers through the business I run, as well as the free content I produce via my blog and this podcast. And it led me to asking the question, what is the purpose of In the Trenches? And I don't mean what do I want it to be, but what should it be independent of me? So if I were taken out of the picture and In the Trenches was its own unique entity doing its thing in the world, what would that be and who would it be for? So from this frame of reference, here's how I understood In the Trenches. It's like this. The mission or purpose of In the Trenches is to help entrepreneurs and creatives succeed in the world of chaos and uncertainty they inhabit. Because here's the deal. Any creative pursuit is uncertain. It's fraught with peril, setbacks, and failures, and things that keep us from hitting the mark. And that's scary, and it's hard. And it's much scarier and much harder when you're doing it alone or don't have experience. And that's why I believe that it's crucial that In the Trenches exists, because it can help reduce that uncertainty, because it can help keep failure and setbacks in perspective. They're rarely fatal. And because it can motivate and inspire you to think about things differently apply new frames of reference, and show you new ways to do, act, or be in this chaotic, uncertain world that is any creative pursuit. So then the question became, for me, if In the Trenches is fulfilling its purpose, how must it be structured, organized, and produced? Well, first and foremost, it should provide firsthand, real-time accounts of entrepreneurs and creatives who are doing the work and producing amazing results. So real-time as in These are people who are doing it right now. So current, not talking about things that are years and years old, but stuff that's happening right now. On top of that, it shouldn't leave you to figure out what's important. It shouldn't make you do more work. Instead, the podcast should do the hard work of gleaning key insights for you so you can put them to work in your business or project today. And finally, if the show is optimal, then it should do the above by going as deep with interviewees as necessary and no deeper, and it should remove or reduce anything that is superfluous or time-wasting. So for example, the ubiquitous origin story. So those will only be done when they're truly relevant. And that brings us to today, January 1st, 2018, and the new structure for In the Trenches moving forward, which will include a few things. First and foremost, the intros will be recorded post-interview so that I can summarize exactly what we talk about so you know exactly what you're getting when you first tune in. The second thing is my insights into the conversation itself provided at the outside to properly frame the interview. So I'll probably spend one to two minutes just going over not only what we talk about in the interview, what I take away as the key things that I'll be implementing in my own business or things that I think you might want to try. And the third thing is no more long music intros, straight to content. So there you have it. Like it, hate it, email me at tom at tommorcus.com and let me know because In the Trenches is here for you. So help me help you by making it better. So without further ado, let's talk goal setting and goal achieving with Greg Swanson. So Greg, I want to start us off on the conversation around 
goal setting, goal achieving, how you approach that and how you approach that with clients and, and the people you coach. Yeah, that's a great topic. And it's a topic that's been discussed many, many times, Tom. And and I think it's a topic that's discussed many times because people don't get it. They don't get the process of goal setting. They think sometimes goal setting is a Christmas wish list. You know, my goal for next year is to hit the lottery. My goal for next year is to make a million dollars. Now, if you're only making you know, 10,000 this year, next year, a million might not be the most appropriate part of it. But what I have found in coaching clients and other folks is that they want to establish a goal, but they don't know what it is clearly. They like, you know, they, they use uh, generic terms. I'd like to make more money next year. I'd like to be fit. I'd like to be happier. And some of the things that they want is an emotional goal, which they can achieve at any specific time. But others are a is a specific goal. But it, what I found is many people don't know what that looks like, so they don't know if they've ever achieved it. So the first step I I work with clients is get clarity. What exactly does that look like? So how do you work through that process? I guess do you have them do a visualization exercise? Do you talk through it? Like what's the best way to actually get clear on what that looks like? Yeah, and that's a great question, also, Tom. And, and kind of what I do is I'll just have a conversation with them. So I'll say. And perhaps I was coaching you and I would say, hey, Tom, let's just say that, you know, we don't talk to each other until November of 2018. We meet up again. We haven't talked for a year. What does your life look like right now? What's going on in your life right now at 2018? What does that look like? And so then I would have you start to explain, well, I'm I'm happier. I'm making a more money. Great. How much more money? What is that? What does that look like? And are you traveling? And I just get them to put themselves in the future but then start to create the picture of what that looks like, as opposed to what do you want to get accomplished? So it's kind of like, where do you want to be one year from now? And then once we get into that, we then can start to focus that picture a little bit. Because most of the time, it's kind of a blurry, out of focus. Yeah, I kind of want this, maybe a new house, maybe this. And you know, and then I'll start to chunk down on it. a new house for what purpose? Why Why you want a new house instead mm. of the, the one that you have to try to get some some motivation behind it. Okay, so I'm, I want to shift this to entrepreneurs and people who are kind of working for themselves real quick, because mm-hmm. when I hear that, I like it. And I think, okay, from a physical standpoint, I usually, I can perceive that. That's, that's simple enough to me. When I talk in, say, financial numbers, you know, it's a different story when I used to be employed and I knew, okay, you know, working my way up the chain of command and in the military too, it was like, okay, you know, Maybe in a year I'll be, you know, I'll get promoted to captain or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So those, I think there's a pretty clear ladder. For the entrepreneur, the ladder isn't so clear. And especially for somebody who's like a owner-operator, freelancer type, somebody where, you know, maybe there's spikes in income and stuff like that, not a leader of a big organization right now, that can be a really big challenge, I feel like. Like, I'm trying to picture, like, what, what is my life going to be like in, in a year? It seems like a big challenge. So how do you work through that with somebody in that setting? Right. And, and I do work with, with some small business owners in regards to that. And so first, you know, we own a business where we're an entrepreneur to create a personal life. So again, uh-huh. I want to focus because we don't just open a business and put the money in the bank and not do anything. It's to generate revenue. You know, perhaps we like what we're doing, but ultimately it's to create a personal life, whether that is traveling with a significant other, buying a home or doing something or having a lifestyle. So I really do start with what does your life look like? And then what amount of revenue do you feel it would take to get there? And so it it may seem 
kind of like a, a insignificant step because we want to build the person's big business, whether it's an entrepreneur or a small business that has five or six employees. But we want to look at the revenue because if they say, I want to generate $5 million next year, and I ask them for what purpose, and if they don't know, there's not going to be that motivation behind it. So I need to get that motivation out there as far as why do you want this? You know, so what does your life look like? What do you want to do? What's the revenue that you would require to support that type of life? And then we go, okay, what services are you offering? So then we get into uh, basically the resources. What resources do you have? What resources do you need to generate that? And that may be involved in they have you know, a couple of service offerings, which are only a hundred bucks a piece. Well, is that really realistic? No. Then what else can we add to your service offering? So we start to chunk it back down from that to see what they have, you know, as far as an entrepreneur to see what they have and then multiply it out. Well, how many of these would you need to get there? Mm, I like that. Okay. So that's actually really helpful for the small business owner. Let's take a look at, I'm curious about how you would apply that to because I'm sure another group of your people you coach and your, your coaching clients and stuff like that and who you, you've helped in the past are professionals, but who are maybe interested in doing something on the side or transitioning out of like what they're doing. So again, it kind of gets into that very nebulous territory. How do you help them get clarity on what they're doing, especially if it's like, well, I'd like to work for myself, but I don't know what that means. Because I, I feel like that's a challenge that a lot of people go through. They have this idea, well, I think I'd like to work for myself. They, there's no, no clarity around it at all. Right. And this is... This is something that I've just, you know, put a course out on and it's going to get back. And this is why I think goal setting is important because it gets back again to what type of lifestyle do you want to live? So Mm. they may be in a job that they don't like, but they don't know why they don't like it. And then they go, well, I'm going to go start a career. Well, what, for what purpose? Well, I want to make more money and that stops right there. But we, again, you know, Tom, one of the things is we make money so that we can live a lifestyle. I don't mean necessarily the lifestyle of the rich and famous, right? Fur coats and diamonds, but we perhaps we want to travel more. Perhaps we want to only work four hours a week or four days a week. And we want to go see family, you know, so what does that lifestyle look like? We have to really define why we're doing what we're doing for that lifestyle. And then we kind of work through some process of, well, then who do you need to be as a person? What do you need to change in yourself to create that lifestyle? And then we chunk it down to, you know, what are your values? What are your beliefs? What are your capabilities? Meaning what skills do you have? Well, what skills do you need? And then how do you use them, the behaviors? And then you get down to what I call the environment is that where should you work and what should you do? Mm. But most people focus on, well, I can only do this. You know, I went to school, I got a bachelor's degree in this, or I'm a factory worker, so all I can do this. So they limit themselves uh. in this, what I call the environmental layer and not look at what they want to actually create. Because you know, there's a lot of people come to me that they're dissatisfied in life. They want to do a transition, but they don't know what they want. And so we had to figure out what is it that they're unhappy with and what do they think a new career is going to do for them and then move that to their vision. So I guess the next question inevitably becomes, or at some point becomes, uh, well, maybe this question actually never arises, but I feel like the challenge becomes, well, then implementing that. Yes. We get clarity, but I mean, you know, this is coming out. People will be listening to this in in January, I know. And I I know I'm going to be pumped up about setting new goals. I'm going to be all in. I know a lot of other people are going to be all in on setting new goals too. And then come February, we'll see where we're at, right? So how do you actually 
follow through, especially if the goal is, you know, motivating and large, how do you accomplish it? How do you get there? Right. So I guess, Tom, you know, if it's to make a transition from one career to another, there's a different sets of strategies and tactics for that, where if it's to accomplish more. So let's just presume that it's an entrepreneur and they have the flexibility to add more products and services to it. Because if you're working for a company, I mean, you still can add revenue to your income, but it might be a little bit more challenging. So I'm going to use the example of an entrepreneur. And I work with entrepreneurs a lot and just got off the phone this morning with a client and had a great call with them. So first, again, we want to establish that. What does your life look like at the end of 2018? Fantastic. What type of revenue do you need to have? And then what I like to do is create these milestones. So where would you need to be in nine months So you would absolutely know that you're going to hit your one-year goal of whatever that revenue projection is. Then where do you need to be at six months in order to know that you're going to hit nine months? And then I go three months and one month. So if this was in January, it would be where do you need to be in February to know you're on track to hit your three-month goal? Then we have to break it down even further to create some strategies, which is what you're going to do and tactics, how you're going to do it. It may sound boring, but we need to create a method to do that. And it may be marketing more of their products and services, maybe becoming more assertive and aggressive with contacting prospective clients or selling something. It may even be repackaging their ser- their services into a bigger package. But we have to look at, you know, if somebody has a an offering that is 500 bucks a unit, how many units of that would they have to sell to get there? Well, it may be such a large volume, then what else can we add to that? Can you add coaching to that? Can you add another product? Can you do a workshop? Can you do a a retreat? And so we start to look at maybe increasing the amount of value that they add so that they can increase their revenue. But it all has to be focused towards what do they want their lifestyle to look like at the end of 2018? I like that. Okay. So what does it look like in month nine? What does it look like in month six, month three, and then developing the strategies and tactics around those. So you do, you should have some sort of marker by that first three months, like, hey, am I on track? But I guess another challenge, too, from my end, as I think about this, too, is sometimes, like, the things we'll do to get there aren't always, like, the most straightforward path. Sometimes small businesses can be like that. It's like, oh, we just need to generate new leads. We need to, you know, bump the conversion straightforward. I think for, for freelancers and some other types, sometimes it's like the actual path to get there might be a little bit more circuitous. Do you find that Mm -hmm. that's a challenge at all? And like, is that something that like maybe makes it so it's more difficult to achieve those goals? And should people try to like streamline and like find a more focused path to, to that objective? Yeah, I think entrepreneurs have an especially big challenge, uh, especially if they're home alone or if they're alone because they get caught up with doing other things that doesn't generate. So when I was in sales, one of our mantras is, the important time is sales. You call, you start doing your sales first thing in the morning. Everything else comes in the afternoon. You got to do your sales. This is where effectiveness and efficiency come in. Mm. Effectiveness is doing, doing the right things. And efficiency is doing those things right. Mm. So when, when you're at an entrepreneur and your goal is to create $5 million at the end of the year, and you're checking emails first thing in the morning, is that generating new revenue? Is that really being effective? No. So then what are the effective steps that you can take? And then are you doing them efficiently with all of this? We're going to have our bumps in the roads. We're going to have, but what we want to do is make that road as 
straight as possible because we are in control of it. As entrepreneurs, the, the person listening here is in control of their time, of, of their day. It's up to them what they focus on, and they can make that road as straight or as crooked as possible by choosing to become effective and efficient during each and every day. Mm, I like that. And so it's, it's really a question. It's like, yeah, what is that thing that you're going to do every day, essentially, that's going to actually move you to that objective? And then reducing the distractions. Right. And the, que- the question that you need to ask yourself is, is what I'm about to do going to help me get closer to my goal or not? Mm. And it seems a very simple question. But when I coach with clients, they, they come up with these excuses or reasons why they have to check email, why they have to check their test, why they have to do this, because this person's waiting for me. If I don't get back to them, this is going to happen. I'm going, if you were in the hospital, you couldn't get back to them, what would happen? Yeah. We have to get that priority straight. And with the amount of uh, stimulus that's coming to us these days from either text, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, it's so easy to be distracted. And then the end of the day, if you tracked, you know, this is a good thing is if track your time on what you're doing, that is how many hours a day yeah. did you really spend on creating a new product? How many hours a day did you spend talking to, you know, new clients? How many hours a day? And if you're only doing one or two hours a day, where's the rest of the day going? Yep. Huh. I like it. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. It's definitely a good reminder at a minimum, you know, that, right. that we get so wrapped up in these tertiary activities that are not value producing in a lot of ways, but we almost feel socially obligated to them. Like, because I think email is the greatest like social obligation trap there is in a lot of ways. Right. And, and, and I work with, you know, what I tell individuals is way back in the day, the slowest form of communication was, you know, a letter. So if you got a letter, you know, you, may, you maybe took you a week to respond to it. Well, now in this day and age, an email is the slowest thing. It's not that important. If you get an email, it's really not that important. And I coach my, my uh, clients on, hey, anywhere between 24 and 48 hours response is perfectly acceptable, at least in my book, by an email. The next one would be a text. If somebody texts you, it's kind of important, maybe by the end of the day. But if somebody calls you, it's usually important. But that's what voicemail is for. Every time the phone rings doesn't mean you have to pick it up. You don't have to answer it. If your production time is nine o'clock in the morning to noon, and that's when you're, produ- you're putting out new products, and that's when you're doing your marketing, that's your sacred time. You turn off the emails, you turn that down, you turn off your phone, and you do your marketing. Mm, I love that. Okay, fantastic. So, all right. So what are the other things that you see typically when you work with people where they, they get tripped up? Because I think we talked about the, the big ones. It's like, well, the goal is, is nebulous or it's hard to get clarity on it. Well, we, we discussed how to do that. We discussed the milestones and the, the way to progress toward that to make sure you're on track. And I, I think this idea of like, well, do the activities that are actually going to move you there. So what, if it's like, you know, getting in shape, it's like, okay, well, does that mean working out and what does working out do? And are you working out every day? That kind of thing. So I think that's all pretty straightforward. And yet so many of us still fail or we don't achieve the, the goals we set. So where else do you find that there are stumbling blocks? That's a great question. And what I have found is that a lot of folks are impatient. And so they're constantly changing. They're they're repackaging their offerings. They're changing their marketing. They're doing. So they're constantly moving without that momentum building. And uh, Jay Conrad Levinson, Gorilla Marketing, had a great story. I think it was Marble Cigarettes a long time ago was more of a feminine product. And he was hired to transition it over to more men. Well, he got the cowboy ad out, et cetera, et cetera. And 
The first month, nothing happened. Second month, nothing happened. But he, he stayed true to what he knew. And again, unfortunately, it's using cigarettes, but it makes a good exi- example. He knew his stuff. He knew it. And by the end of the second year, it was it completely shifted and was the largest selling brand of cigarettes for men. So part of that is staying with your process, making your rules and staying with your rules. I remember when I was learning to invest in stocks, the company I was learning from said, you make your rules and the rules are the rules because they are the rules. Everybody there had a different way of investing. Each one was successful. But if you tried to take everybody's and mix it together, you would fail. You had to come up with what you knew was right and then continue to do it day after day after day. And I think what happens is many entrepreneurs have this well, I should be further along. And then when I ask him, I go, who said, well, because I've done all this work. Well, what work? How many hours have you really put into it? And why is there a correlation between this work and where you feel you should be? We set ourselves up for frustration. Now, I'm not saying it's not important to have goals, right? But we have to understand where did we come up with, I should be farther along than this, because then the frustration builds and that frustration causes individuals to look for another solution when in reality they could be just at that tipping point and they bust away from it. That's interesting. So when it comes to the like kind of creating those rules, I, I think that's a really interesting idea. When you go about kind of creating and establishing those rules, my question would be, how do we know we've chosen the right rules? You know, because there's this idea where what's gotten you here won't get you there kind of thing. So sometimes you do have to change things up. And so I know it's a very open-ended question I'm asking. But I right. guess I wonder, how do we know we're making the right rules versus like maybe set, like maybe we're setting up rules that are actually going to be negative, like actually might set us back. Right. And, and that's a great question. And, and part of that comes from at this particular point, whatever it is, it may be marketing, repackaging a, a product or sales is to find that individual or individuals and read about their training, read about what they do, yeah. see what makes sense for them, because success leaves clues. And Mm. it's not that I want people to reinvent what they're doing, but take something and make it theirs if it feels good. Some people don't like cold calling. Some people like to to send out a you know an email first and then call. And this is in sales specific. So if it's not if it's not in your nature to do something, create a rule that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send out this many emails. I'm going to then follow up with this phone call, and three days later I'm going to do a direct mail and right. And so you have this methodology because you've done research as to, well, it worked for this person and it worked for this person. So let me adapt it to myself. And then you have to track. And this is, this gets to the boring part, right? Of entrepreneurship is tracking your results. I took this much action. What did I get back in return? Did I get any sales? Did I get, and this is where some entrepreneurs, they love what they do, but they don't like to work in their business. Interesting. Yeah. There's another idea I heard, I think was, um, Noah Kagan, who I recently spoke about this idea of actually having like typical dashboards, like for something like people will see like the metrics, of say a website that they're using, they'll see like the traffic and the leads and the sales or whatever. And that's like a good, obviously relevant. But another thing he suggested was looking at and actually having like an action dashboard, like a dashboard where it's like exactly the things that you can control. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Like in terms of like tracking, we obviously want to see, you know, track the results if we can, but also the idea of like actually tracking the actions that we need to take and making sure we do that. Right. And that's basically the essence of goal achieving, right? We, when you look at an athletic performance, if the athlete focused on winning the race all the time, and that's all they focused on, 
most of them don't do that. They won't win the race. But if they focus on what gets them to the finish line, the performance, how well they're executing their athletic techniques, whether it's sprinting, swimming, when you focus on what gets you there and your techniques, then you win the race. But if you just go, I need to win the race, I need to win the race and lose sight of how to get to the finish line. And so to your point, keeping track of the action that you're doing, right? That is the effective and efficient. Are you doing the right actions and are you doing the actions right? I love it. That's fantastic. Is there anything else that comes to mind that I haven't asked, but that you think is relevant in terms of this idea of goal setting, goal achieving, anything we haven't covered? So there's, with a lot of my clients, there's emotions involved in not getting there far enough or whatever it might be. And we have to understand that we have a anticipation of something and we could say it's point B. And then we have the reality of us and it's point A. That distance between point A and point B is an emotion. It could be frustration. It could be anger. And when we get into that, then we start taking maybe not so much effective behaviors. But the question is, how did you come up with point B? How did you say that you should be at point B at this point in time? Because again, if we're getting frustrated, we'll then look at doing something else and we're not giving the time for what we did to germinate. So the biggest question is when we set goals of achieving such as, you know, $2 million at the end of next year, how did you come up with that number? What rationality did you have behind it? Because again, goals aren't Christmas wish list. These are things to help us move forward in life. And it's kind of like my goal is to drive from, you know, perhaps San Francisco down to LA. Well, at some point I know I need to go through Sacramento, let's just say. So we know we're getting there. So we know that we're getting to those places as opposed to um, just wandering around. So I, I think that understanding how we come up with the goal and the time frame is critically important as to what evidence do we have in the past. And, and I know this is a fine line because things can change in one year. And just because oh. we haven't accomplished something last year, that doesn't mean we can't accomplish it this year. Some of those things need to be really looked at because this is why people don't set goals because either they're not clear enough or they overestimate what they can get done and underestimate the time that it takes. And so you think because of that, people don't set goals because they're like scared of it or something like that? You know, what I've found is, well, yeah, it doesn't work. Well, no, it does work. You're not working it. Well, no, I set a goal of doing $5 million last year and I didn't hit it. Okay, well, what, what did you do the year before? Well, 10000 So you think, I mean, was that really realistic to go from 10000 to $5 million? Did you offer, you know, a new VIP package? Did you offer anything new? No. Did you increase your marketing budget? No. So how did you come up with this $5 million and how did you think it would take you just a year to do that? Well, I read a book about this, that if I put my mind to it, I can achieve anything. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I understand that. But we also want to feel good about what we're doing. And if you feel bad every time you set a goal, you're not going to set goals anymore. Yeah, I think that's so important. What's your opinion on anything like uh, accountability? <sighs> yeah, I'll just like <sighs> take it from there. Accountability. That's what coaches are for. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. accountability leaving it to our own, except for individuals like yourself, Tom, and some other ones out there that are motivated and can hold themselves to what they want to do. So there's a difference. And I want to make a slight difference between accountability and responsibility. 
Accountability means can you account for your behavior? So if somebody says, I want to make a million dollars extra this year, and they sat on the beach for three weeks, and I could say, are you accountable for this? Yeah, I sat on the beach for, for three weeks. So they could account for their time. Being accountable doesn't mean that they're being responsible. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to tend to hold people to responsibility of their results as opposed to accountability. Because again, if you look at the definition, it just means, can you account for your behavior? Can you account for your whereabouts? Can you tell me where you were and what you did? Sure. I didn't do anything. How about huh. that? Well, okay, you're accountable, but you're not responsible. I like that. So here's a question like in, in terms of either how you do this with clients or how somebody could do this with themselves. How do we go from, okay, I'm going to, you know, you know, even seeking out like that accountability, like knowing I, I do want to be held accountable in that context of like, I want to make sure I'm implementing. How do we shift that to this, this idea of responsibility? Because I actually think that ownership is so important. And I know responsibility is an extension of that, of, of ownership. So I guess, how do we reframe this or really think about it to focus on that responsibility? Right. So I think responsibility is owning the results that you get Mm. is saying they're my results. How do you get those results is through your accountability. Mm. So, right. So when you say, okay, I want to, I want to generate a million dollars extra year. I want to learn, I want to lose this much weight, whatever it is. So I'm going to be responsible. I'm not going to blame my spouse. If I can't lose the weight, I'm not going to blame the food industry. It's all on me. I am hundred percent responsible. Now, if you didn't do it, Now you have to be held accountable for the actions that you're going to take to get there. And part of that accountability, though, is also is, hey, if you slacked off, are you being responsible with this accountability of yourself? And so it's it's kind of a unique, not play on words, but a unique twist. A lot of folks think that accountability is responsibility, and they're two different things. No, I I like that distinction because I actually think that's really important. And I like the idea of I think responsibility is something that is neglected by all of us. It's just a great reminder and that you need to take responsibility for your actions, for the results of those actions too. And I do like that distinction between that and accountability because there's something I think more meaningful about the word responsibility too. And it doesn't allow you to scapegoat anything. And I think that's really important. And, And that's, and that's probably the biggest, the other part in, in working with entrepreneurs is responsibility. We often feel, and I'm just going to use sales as an example. We often feel that if we contact a client once and they don't get back to us, well, they never contacted me back again. Yeah. How many times did you call them? How many times did you try? You know, I mean, well, I don't want to bother them. Then you're not going to make any money. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you need to be responsible for your actions and the results of them. If you're contacting them and they say, no, great. Now you're responsible. You got to know and you're accountable for it. But you can't put your results, these are your results as an entrepreneur. You have to own 100% of them, mm-hmm. and that means you take complete responsibility, whether a client or somebody buys something or not, it's still on you. Yep, I love it. Well, hey, Greg, I just want to say this has been a fantastic conversation. I think people will be as motivated as I am. I'll probably be re-listening to this again and again to to stay focused here and, and set the right goals, and and so that's I think fantastic and inspirational for those who are listening. Where can people reach out to find more about you and what you do? And maybe even this course you mentioned earlier. Why, thanks, Tom. And I appreciate the time on coming on your show. Uh-huh. You know, you got you're doing some great work and uh, really, really appreciate what you're doing and how you're helping out all your listeners as well. So so thank first, you. thank you. My website is warriormindcoach.com. 
I'm very active on the blog part of it. So that would be warriormindcoach.com forward slash blog. My podcast is there. I have some posts there doing a lot of things on that. I also have a couple of three courses on Udemy. One is develop the mental strength of a warrior. The Uh other is sales strong. And the other is an examined life. And the examined life could take a person up to a year to complete. So just a, a heads up if they really dive into it. And it goes through the seven layers of life satisfaction, starting with the vision, moving all the way down to the environment. And if you go to Udemy and just search for me, you'll see my courses there. So I appreciate you giving me the time to talk about that, Tom. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you, man. And this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you being on In the, in the Trenches. So thank you so much. Thanks so much.